Hey there folks, how's it going? I'm Owen Lake and today we're joined by Richard Lang. Rich, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you here. How are we going, Owen? Pretty good, thanks. Richard is a former pro and founder of Spoked, an online training and coaching app. So Richard, life after pro cycling, how have you been finding it? It's been good. First, you know, uh, leaving the cycling world was a little bit challenging. But where I am now, um, really enjoying the process of trying to build Spoked. So, yeah, Spoked's like an early stage tech business. You know, we don't have millions in the bank, but we have a really cool team. So Spoked at the moment is, you know, it's myself. Uh, we have Chris Newton on board as part of the founding team. We have one developer in Lee who's absolutely brilliant. But also we like we have a cool uh, community of, of riders, nutritionists, mentors. Um, so really, yeah, just enjoying the process of um, – trying to get the business off the ground and, you know, continually scaling it. So it, it kind of sounds like uh, you're, you're building something akin to a, a pro cycling team. A, a little bit. Um, I think the principles are very much the same um, in terms of that you need, you know, the right network around you, you need the sort of the right pieces. But it's, it's definitely not easy, you know, but uh, I think – being a cyclist and, you know, you cyclist yourself, Owen, is that when you're striving for something, there's a number of attributes that translate across. You know, so being a rider, you have to be, you know, super resilient. You have to, you know, consistently persist. You have to always looking for new angles. So like in, in racing, you know, you're necessarily not going to always win, but you're always looking for little positives and different type of angles. And I think that's sort of maybe the same sort of trying to build a cycling team and especially trying to build a tech startup where you know you don't have all the resources you don't have all the cash but it's okay what what can i do now what can we sort of do with the resources that we have to offer the most value to riders that you know to help them you know train smarter yeah was that a vibe you get there are a lot of riders who um as they move through their career particularly in the uk they they start to focus on helping the younger riders coming through is that something that you have the same feeling and the same sort of sense of responsibility for now? A little bit. Um, I think it's always easy in hindsight, especially cycling, where I started riding the bike at 16 and my career finished at 24. Yeah. And yeah, in those early, or especially pretty much my whole career, you're always just sort of striving. You're just wanting that next stage, that next result, that next team. And yeah, so we as riders now have we've sort of stepped away, you know, we can help, you know, share our experiences, you know, with the younger riders and try to give them, I don't know, that slightly different perspective where I think we can get really get caught up in the moment where it's like, no, no, just, just relax. You know, you've done A, B and C, you know, you just got to, you know, keep going. Just got to be a little bit patient. Um, Cause I think, well, I know when I've reflected my own career, especially in the later years where all I wanted to be was, that top level pro, you know, ride for Team Sky, you know, ride the Tour de France, and you become so obsessed with it that, that that's all you concentrate on. And it's like, it's almost when you want something that bad, you become your own worst enemy. Yeah. And I can sort of see that a little bit with the youth riders, is, you know, it's almost like a lot of pressure, you know, to try and make junior worlds, try, you know, um, get on the GB team. But like that age, say, you know, 14 to 18, they're still going through like quite heavy schooling. Um, so it's almost like, okay, you know, get your school, you know, get like a sort of a, you know, have a backup plan yeah, and then you can go real full-time cycling because even, you know, going to school and, you know, you're 17, 18, you know, you can still do, you know, 10, 
15 hour weeks if you want. Yeah. And you can still grow quite well off that. You don't have to commit your whole life uh, to the sport. I think it's important to have something to the side. I was speaking to um, Fionn James, uh, the first podcast episode, actually. She's um, studying at the University of Cambridge. And a big section of that was how you can still study and do like a world-class degree and also win national series races, which is what she's doing. Uh, and so many kids don't, I don't, I don't know how you found this, but I certainly felt I had to focus on one or the other. Yeah. So, well, I talking from my own experiences. So uh, in Australia, so we, our, our school finishes at year 12, so it's 17, 18, and you do your, your final exams and that's what gets your mark into university. So I was probably doing probably so 15 to 20 hour weeks, um, still got a decent grade, went into university. Um, I was studying university sort of part-time. So um, yeah, sort of half the workload and racing for a national level team. So you, you race, around, um, race around the country and I was still able to make my way onto the AIS team. And that's where the opportunity for the last two years of under 23 uh, race abroad. Now it was in that moment there, that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to pause my studies and commit full-time to cycling. But uh, it was only just there a couple of years ago, um, I graduated uh, from Manchester Metropolitan with a business marketing degree. So you can always go back to your studies, yeah. but it's almost sort of, it, it gets to a point where maybe sort of riders are letting go of their schoolwork too early. Yeah. Okay. There's a balance to be had. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. How did you find like, earning a living during your career and earning a living now like it's it's a huge change the two things one's just riding your bike um competing doing everything a pro athlete does suddenly you're thrust into the this totally different world um it's a good question the type of individual i am i'm very goal-driven disciplined and you know can just sort of get stuck in so that's sort of like with cycling, you know, you, you're sort of selfish, you know, in essence, and you just sort of focus on the bike, what you need to do to improve. Now, when I reflect to where I am now trying to build a business, it's very much the same. You have to be persistent. You have to be resilient. You know, you just got to, you know, you work big hours. So instead of me now going on the bike three, four, five hours, you're recovering, stretching. I'm now spending a lot of time, you know, in, on the computer, you know, working eight, 10, you know, 14 hour days. Mm. Cause I, I still get that. Yeah. Same sense of enjoyment. I, I always thought cycling wasn't a real job or, or it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's an odd dynamic. People think that being a pro athlete or a full-time athlete is not a, a real job, but you, you can still put in the hours into it. Can't you? Oh, it's all that recovery time. Yeah. It's like, so, um, Yes, we came over to the UK, I think it was like 2011, 2012. Um, and my girlfriend is now my wife. Um, she works in advertising. So she has a proper job and I, you know, I was, I was the racer. And it's funny, it's like, you know, you'll leave, leave home at 10. You might do four hours, you get back, ready, steady, cook will be on. You have a bit of a stretch and, you know, you make dinner and then, then the missus will get home. So I thought, what you've been doing all day? Just see you, on, just let, see you laying on the couch. I said, no, no, I've been training hard and now I'm recovering. <laughs> this is part of my job. <laughs> exactly. So you set up Spoked. Um, why Spoked? Um, so when I left the sport of cycling, um, 
I thought, geez, what, what am I going to do now? So super passionate about health and fitness, helping others achieve their goals. So I transitioned into PT, um, learned everything about sort of PT, level two, level three, got into online coaching. Um, so did my level two, level three with British Cycling. And uh, where I was as a PT, I got to um, meet a number of individuals, sort of part of the Manchester business community. And from that, I was able to uh, build another business uh, called Oat Rulers, where we did um, corporate rides, overseas trips, and I did a lot of online coaching. Um, so I was out um, with a ride with a mate and, and sort of I was coaching a number of athletes and I was starting to get could have quite stretched in terms of trying to deliver a personalized training plan. And we thought, well, you know, can, can you automate you, you know, can you automate a coach? And we thought, okay, well, if we were to flip this, you know, what are the advantages does that present to rider? So we know that online coaching, having a coach, you know, is expensive. You know, I, I think if you want a coach that you can reach out to on a sort of a daily basis or at least a weekly basis, you're probably looking over a hundred pounds yeah. at least. And then it can go up to, you know, four or 500 pounds every month, which is yeah. crazy. Uh, and then just say for your general sort of cycling enthusiast who, you know, has a family, has work. So cycling is probably third on the pecking order. And then when you break that down even more, it's like, yeah, you know, you're going for your events, you maybe go for an overseas trip, you know, you want some good equipment, cycling kit, and then cycling coaching might come in, you know, maybe sixth down in the order. Right. So it's the commitment to that. And then, and it's a level in investment. So people are making decisions all day, you know, they're making a million decisions a day, you know, can we help them make one less decision in terms of what session do you need to ride? And you just want to you know, be told, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do tomorrow? And just some top line metrics to gauge, you know, how well you're going. So that's where the sort of the idea came about. Um, and I was quite fortunate, um, good mates with Chris Newton. So sort of between us two and a couple of other individuals, uh, we had the initial concept built back in 2016. Uh, with a local software development agency. Um, and that was quite, um, it was almost like that was starting to be my transition from cyclist PT into sort of online coach, now trying to build tech business. Yeah, that it's almost, um, it's like a transition. Going to, to be a coach is, is something a lot of people with, with the amount of experience that you have, they, they do that. But then to almost become a tech startup, that, yeah, that's it, different. <laughs> It's been a steep learning curve, that's for sure. Yeah. But I think it's like I mentioned earlier, it's like those same attributes as what you have as a cyclist translate across. So it's like no matter what level of rider you are, you still need you know to commit to something. You still need to be resilient, you know, persist. Um, and I think those type of attributes have helped me get to, you know, where I am now. Right. So you've got the drive and like the determination to actually get up and do things yourself. And I enjoy the process. Right. Um, so if the position that we are now is that we haven't raised millions of dollars. So we have to be quite smart in in terms of the product development, the marketing that we do, you know, customer support, building the community. And we very much have to sort of focus on like little wins. Mm. You know, what are the processes that can lead us to, you know, scale, scale the business and be a worldwide um, tech platform? Yeah. It can often be... Uh, certainly setting up your own business afterwards getting too much too quick can can be a, a poison chalice yeah 
and certainly it's good to to have steady growth going forward but to be able to to think and have to work for your success i enjoy the process yeah of it all and it's um i mean don't get me wrong like there are some days it's like man this is hard like would it be easier just trying to get a corporate job (laughs) you know just like slogging away you know 10 12 hour days i'm like and 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 i think it's quite cool that we're trying to do something different within sort of the cycling environment and and then of course people compare us to the much larger platforms who who are you going up against well this is the thing i don't think we're really going up against anything that's out there yeah so when, when i when i look at the market i think you have training templates and even training templates now you might have to start paying for them Yes. You have, um, you know, the training softwares, but in essence, they're just a bunch of structured um, workouts. You know, they don't adapt to you. They don't flex. You can't change your availability, but they have a number of other um, really cool elements. You know, talk to your turbo. You can ride in the virtual world. And then the third option a rider can pick is a cycling coach. So we're, 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 what we're trying to do is bring the personalization of what a coach brings, but also the accessibility of the, of the training templates. Yeah. Are you finding like you're at the forefront of automating uh, coaching? Is that like a, a weird concept to be to be um, facing? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it like that before. But yeah, you have the software side of coaching and then you have the data side and then you have a million scenarios that you can throw out the algorithms. Yeah. So I think from a, a data side, it's about understanding what are the primary metrics that influence a training plan. And I think that's a little bit more straightforward. It's the softer side. It's um, the motivation, the perspective. That's, that's the tricky element, especially when you, you know, you, you're giving your platform to someone and you're completely hands off and it's, and you trying to understand, you know, how are they going to interpret it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with structured training, like structured training is a concept that you need to sort of learn. And, you know, and part of that structured training is say zones is about how do you teach someone to learn their zones and ride by zones? Because what by training by zones helps create that high low effect in your training. Yeah. Because a lot of people will just go out there and just sort of smash it. And then eventually their form fades away. Just trying to create that high low effect. So how do we, communicate clearly um to someone you know trying to learn their zones you know what is zone one zone two zone three um just simply by copy is it video is it prompts you know what stage you know should they be learning you know how to do an ftp test you know how do you ride you know a four minute power effort you know one if you're training by power or training by heart rate you know if you're trained by heart rate your top end powers is always a delay in your heart rate so your perceived effort you'd be say eight out of ten you're straight away there but your heart rate's still lagging behind. Yeah. It's like, how do you communicate that um, in just a few lines? And, that, and that's the nice challenge. Uh, do, do you think that kind of data and, and algorithms and things like that, I mean, even uh, in, in terms of training load, um, those things massively changing, like the way people train nowadays, is, is that for the better? I think so. But it, it, I think with all the data, it's more you have to treat it as a guide. And I don't think you can ever neglect about, you know, how you feel, how do you feel on the bike and you let your, your power metrics, you let your heart rate, you had, you know, your perceived effort, your, how you've been sleeping, your energy levels, all that together. You let that dictate what your next step is. And that's what spoke's doing. Right. 
so it's 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 just another tool like another um arrow in the quiver uh, as opposed to the be all and end all yeah 100% yeah and and there's so much data out there um and people do feel overwhelmed but the key to data is you know you need to make it actionable and it needs to be digestible yeah seeing the wood for the trees isn't it 100% yeah so what what did you prefer to do when you were a pro most of my career i didn't even have a power meter i just simply trained by heart rate um I'm probably a little bit of old school big endurance love the strength work big gear you know 53 11 up the climbs you know <laughs> just sort of sit there and grind it out yeah um in my later career like i think as cyclists you know you could tell us you know we'll do you know six hours we'll do six hours every day till we run ourselves in the ground like you wouldn't even question it <laughs> but um what i've learned is sort of that that less is more like we always have that little voice that sort of says, yeah, you should be doing more. You know, you have a rest day, you know, you're going to be losing form or you have yeah. a couple of days off and uh, it's all gone now. My FTP's dropped by 50 watts. <laughs> um, it's like, whoa, yeah, what, whoa, I've, uh, yeah. I've taken a rest day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's happening? like, calm down now. And it was only in my later career where it's almost that I cared less a little bit, you know, sort of like, I thought, okay, Rich, just relax, mate. Just, just enjoy it now. Um, and just sort of focused on the racing, rested a bit more, and my results went better. Yeah, because you um, you rode, and then didn't you stop for a few years, and then go or, or eighteen months or something, then went back to back to the sport. Yeah, so I came over here in two thousand twelve um, and rode with uh, Rafa Condor Sharp under John Harity's team. It was a fantastic experience, and and for us personally, it was, it was a nice spot where. The missus, she can. Um, she worked in advertising agencies at the time, and I could still race with a top level team, still race abroad, and continue my dream of becoming a professional cyclist. So I did rough Condor Sharp, uh, did Team Rally, and at the end of Team Rally, um, I was probably just physically and mentally um, burnt out. So um, I stepped away from the sport, and uh, because I live in a sort of similar area uh, to John, we just sort of always sort of stayed in touch. And there was an opportunity um, to go back that 18 months later um, as John needed someone to ride the tour series. So it was a very sort of niche position. You know what you need to do. Um, and it was a fantastic opportunity. But in reflection now, I probably underestimated what you actually need to do to be a top-level pro or UK pro. So you'd just been that, doing it. That was the, <laughs> You'd been doing yeah. it and it was second nature to you. And suddenly you were thrust uh, into reassessing it. Yeah, because when I was going full-time, cycling was number one. Right. That's what, okay, what do I do to do cycling? And then, okay, and then I think, what else do I need to do throughout the day? But then when I went back to it, um, we just bought our first place. I was trying to get oat rulers off the ground. So cycling started to become number three, number four in, in the pecking order. And that severely um, altered the way, um, you know, especially in terms of training time. And I couldn't take the same amount of risks anymore. I was just like scared cornering. And back in the day, I was just like going around, don't care anymore. That's funny that the, so when I stopped racing, I, I quit middle of a race yeah. uh, and it was actually descending a, off off some moors. Um, and you know how they can be, like, they can be like yeah. windy, crazy roads and twisty. Uh and I'd been dropped, so I was behind a, a team yeah. car. 
and we're hitting 50 miles an hour going down a mountain twists and turns coming up graham yeah. briggs who you probably would have ridden with on yeah. on rafa condor yeah he he yeah. like hooned it past me <laughs> and i was like nope i'm done yeah i'm i'm good i don't want to do that anymore um it it changes your perspective doesn't it but, but i think it's um it's nice being able to arrive to that decision too as yes. hard as it is to say jeez i don't know whether i'm going to make it sometimes i found it a bit of a relief too it's like okay rich relax now you know you've, you've given that a good shot now it's time to sort of focus on something else and i think as as cyclists we're very good at uh setting new goals you know a race doesn't go uh, well you you know you, you restructure okay what, what's next on the agenda we're always forward looking you'd come to that point naturally as opposed to it being thrust upon you probably in the last so six months of team rally i was maybe questioning myself and saying you know Am I really going to make it? You know, we all ask that question. Am I really good enough? And you always say, oh, let's give it one more year. You know, surely I can do it. You know, I've, I've achieved some nice results. No, I can definitely do it. But looking back now, um, probably I wasn't mentally tough enough for the sport. You know, physically I could handle it. Um, but the sort of the mental aspect of continuously putting yourself out there, um, yeah, maybe I just, yeah, just couldn't handle the pressure. Wow. I... I guess that's um, that's something that probably a lot of a lot of elite athletes come to at a point. How do you manage that when you have um, uh, this this almost fully online or or cloud based app? Is there a way for you to get around that to help people? Yeah, so we're really trying to focus on the enjoyment of the sport and focus on the sort of processes of striving for a goal. So I think when I look back, I was very, yeah, we were very goal orientated, but the goal itself defined um, whether it was a success or not. With Spoke, what we're trying to do is instill um, positive sort of processes when someone's uh, riding routine. So you're consistently getting like little wins. Yeah. So whether that's improving on your benchmark or riding, you know, four days this week instead of three or getting a session score of green instead of orange. So you, because as we know, cycling, you know, is a 60% mental, 40% physical. Right. And so we can get these consistent little wins. We're starting to feel good out, good about ourselves. We're building momentum and it helps us so from a mental state. You know, we feel like oh, we're building momentum, we're enjoying it. And, and that's the sort of what we're sort of striving for. Because if you enjoy the bike and, and you're happy, you're going to go fast on the bike. Yeah, I really like that actually. The um it's, it's almost gamification or or more immediate feedback that you wouldn't yeah. get with a standard coach so you know i would have to do my training email it off to him uh, and he would say yeah that was good owen cheers well done um <laughs> or yeah. where you need to improve but you can get this like very uh instant feedback from from an app that's there yeah. like judging you immediately yeah it's yeah judging encouraging but it, it's you're always just measuring it you know your progress against yourself. If you compare yourself to others, it's like it just drains the happiness out of the way. Because you always, if you always compare, it's, you can never win. It's a game you can never win. Yeah. But if you just sort of focus on yourself, focus on your own benchmarks, your own cycling, you know, you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. So is something like spoked is is this? Do you think is a response to like the adaptation of of the modern working life and this uptake in you mentioned earlier? amateur riders uh busy riders 
is it more it's a response to that and and helping people to enjoy the sport and get into it at like a, a base level as well 100 percent. you know in essence it's about um making your time on the bike count and and what that stems from is about uh, allowing you to train smarter in a simple way so what spoke does it you know is we're trying to focus on flexibility structure plan and that that adapts around you so we, when you build a spoke plan it's four easy steps it's about you know what are you looking to achieve you set your availability you link your account so whether it's Strava and Garmin we pull your data from there and then you establish your fitness zones or your fitness level so that's through your FTP values um, and then and when you start to train um, it's very much the training efforts are very aligned to what you're looking to achieve so if you're saying you want to go target the mountains well the efforts are going to be sort of longer in duration if you're looking to target a crit it's going to be more of a power-based plan yeah and the beauty of spoke is that i almost want you just to throw the kitchen sink at it and all that to you okay yeah the, the more data you give it yeah it, 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 exactly so it's about learning uh, sort of about the way that you ride the way that you ride your zones and we sort of present that in just very simple way you know we use a traffic like system we show, you know, how much time you spend in each zone, you know, the degree of sort of error you spend away from the plan. And that's sort of personalized to every rider that uses the platform. So they're, they're all principles that a human coach should be taking on board. Yes, it's exactly. It's that instant feedback. But we're very much trying to focus on data that any rider can go to a coffee shop and just communicate it. And you don't need to, you know, pull out, you know, a big dictionary and just to explain it to someone. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of, I felt, you know, this was about a seven, but I, there was a plan seven and I only gave it a three. So this session, you know, was way too easy. You know, you get that straight away. Mm. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're big, powerful drivers, um, you know, the influencer training plan. Yeah. And, and then the other element is, you know, there's nothing worse than saying you've got a, a structured plan and you've got to do a few efforts and stay in a certain zone, but you want to go out for the bunch ride. So, you know, so we have the element where you just add a free ride. So it's you've sort of ride. set that you're going to do three hours. You add a free ride. You upload your bunch ride into that. And then that workload's factored against uh, what's been planned for the week. Yeah. Did you ever find this with coaching when you were riding and racing? Did you see other people that were not full-time being encouraged to do like insane amounts of training? that the, they shouldn't really be able to fit in and probably isn't the best way to go about their their general like stress load yeah look, i think what happens is that it, it works for a bit but it's not sustainable right and do you think that's that's something that you, you see a lot of people come on really really quick and even with with young riders they come on really quick but never uh never progress beyond a certain level is yeah. that do you reckon that's why they, they kind of overdone it as, as a kid it is that fine line in terms of, you know, how much training can you absorb? And then that the older that you get, the training load just continuously steps up. So if you're a 15 year old and you're doing say, you know, 14 hour weeks, you know, where do you go from there? You know, you get 16, you're doing say 18 and then you get to 20. It's like, Oh, what am I meant to do now? You can't keep continuously keep building it. And also from a mental perspective, it's like, you're probably going to uh, potentially suffer burnout. Yeah. Yeah, which is, I think, probably the the biggest um, biggest factor in so many people like dropping out of the sport. You mentioned it. I've mentioned it. 
probably you could you could do a, a poll of every single <laughs> yeah. every single competitor and um, a huge majority are going to suffer from burnout yeah, yeah burnout's a tricky one where you, you probably don't realize you're burnt out till you're actually done you, you're done in yeah we're at, we're at the time you feel like you can always be doing more and i think that's on sort of the onus of a coach or the training plan that you you're following it needs to fit around with what your ambitions are and what your lifestyle is so, so it's yeah two things it's it's the communication element so it's about you know how much data you know do you give your coach or how much you know do you communicate with them and then the other element is that rest itself is probably neglected so you have intensity volume rest and uh you know even i through my career neglected rest you know you think rest you're losing form but in reality if you're training hard rest is where you build your form hmm. Yeah. That's where, you know, you, yeah, yeah, that's where the rewards come in. That time watching Ready Steady Cook. Exactly. <laughs> Building my form right here. <laughs> I just need to convince the uh, the other half of that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, perfect. I, I, I figure that's all, all we've got time for now. Um, so, Rich, thank you so much. No, th- thank you for having me, Owen. I really enjoyed it. No, it's really like, it's, it's great to hear your your background and what you've gone on to do is is great the idea that stopping what was one huge part of your life doesn't need to be the end of it definitely not yeah um so yeah thank you very much i really really appreciate it um folks if you want to hear more from rich uh and um, in particular more from spoked you can follow them on social media we've got instagram is get spoked twitter is get spoked um there is no e in spoked by the way (laughs) Um, and Facebook is just the spoked spoked page Um, after that make sure to follow uh, and subscribe to the Monument Cycling Podcast so you never miss an episode and then you can follow us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with all of our uh, content and future podcasts guys thank you very much until next time stay safe